It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Grace, mercy, and peace may be multiplied unto you. I am Dr. Elliot, both Archbishop and Apostle in the Lord's house, and we welcome you to T.L. Elliot Ministries Bible Study. Amen. And, and this evening, we just have another blessed opportunity to get into the Word of the Lord, and not only to look at the Word of the Lord for what it says, but also hopefully get a revelation and illumination as to what it meant. And I say it like that to imply uh, oftentimes when it comes to our study of the word of the Lord, we also always look at the surface of what the scriptures are saying. But there's more depth, there's more revelation and illumination that comes when we begin to look at the word also for what it is spiritually saying. And in that, there's so much profound spiritual word that the Lord has for us, especially for us uh, in this period of time, in this dispensation, to begin to go back and not only look at the Bible as the history record of the course of events for the children of Israel, but also look at it as the, uh, uh, should I say, spiritual bloodline for us all to see what our family members have done spiritually uh, to be good, bad, ugly, or indifferent to bring us to this place for us to look at what was done and not repeat the mistakes willingly that was done by the forefathers, but yet learn from those mistakes in order for us to be more of a repentant mind um, moving forward so that our intent is to do the will of the Lord versus the will of the flesh. Amen. And so in that, uh, we, we are in a continued study here in the book of one of what I consider still a profound or prolific uh, prophet of the Old Testament, which is Malachi. Uh, and I remind each and every one, and I like doing this at the beginning of each and every Bible study. So it sets the frame of mind for the individual as you're reading and studying and dissecting scripture who is the individual that's really being used. And so in that, I, I echo in the minds of the hearts of individuals that are listening to this particular teaching, the depth of the name Malachi is self or Malachi, um, in which the name Malachi means messenger or angel of Yahweh, uh, one who has been dispatched in order to give a word for the Lord as his representative or his ambassador unto the people or unto those that they have been sent to herald to, to declare to, to prophesy to, to prepare uh, for the next course of events based upon the Lord, especially when the Lord has given guidance, has given uh, uh, commandments and laws to be obeyed or to be abided by for people to stay in right standing or to govern themselves. Amen. So in that, something that I've brought out even in the beginning of this teaching in the book of Malachi, um, because once again, I'll place it in your hearing. A lot of people, when you look at Malachi, people are only familiar with Malachi 3a, will a man rob God? And we 
look at the context of that by saying, you know, are we not giving the right offering? Are we cheating God and everything that we do, which I'm not um, trying to uh, take us away from uh, somewhat that level of understanding. However, I bring to your attention when you really begin to study this book, it's really dealing with uh, the leadership of the house of the Lord It's dealing with the priest. And if I put it in today's terminology, it gives us a glimpse of what we need to reflect upon as leadership in the church, as influencers in the church, as preachers, as prophets, as apostles, as evangelists, as pastors, as teachers, uh, as bishops, archbishops, whatever our identity may be unto the people in the church, even when it comes to being the usher or the streets weeper or the bathroom cleaner of the church. We are the influencers of the house of the Lord. And, and what happens is there is something of a standard that the Lord kind of even checks through this prophet giving this particular book. Something came to mind uh, even as I was meditating to prepare for tonight's Bible study was a scripture, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. And I, I want to uh, uh, say something in your hearing so we can really get the depth of, of what's being said because we've used this verse to really imply many different things uh, spiritually when it comes to the world and it comes to the preparation of the people of the Lord God for the, the imminent return of Christ Jesus. But let me say something. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 17, judgment begins in the house of God. Judgment or correction. Uh, uh, the Hebrew word for judgment is mispot, which means justice or order or decisions are made first in the house of the Lord. Because the house of the Lord becomes the standard of excellence that sets the direction for everything outside of the house of the Lord to replicate. Amen. If I looked at that word judgment in, in the Greek from 1 Peter 4, 17, uh, krima, it means decrees or decisions, uh, 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 um, conditions of setting for ungodliness or correction that is to come to ungodliness begins in the house of the Lord. If it's not said in the house of the Lord, sometimes it becomes a hard thing for everything outside of the house of the Lord to understand the standard of the setting. So so in that, even as I reflect on that and bring that to your attention in the beginning of this Bible study, it kind of now echoes the emphasis, I believe, even with the prophet Malachi prophesying. He's bringing the judgment to the house of the Lord to the priest. To begin with, so that if the priests are corrected, if the house of the Lord, the place of the standard that people are looking to as to what the Lord God looks like for the people, especially in dwelling with the people, then this is where everything needs to begin. This is where everything needs to start. This is where everything needs to uh, have its its uh, 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 beginning, amen, so that everything else falls in order. So in that, um, let me now begin to pick up with today's teaching, amen, because now we're, we're, we're into part four, as I would say, regarding Malachi chapter one, amen. And so in that, 
today I'm going to begin with verse 13. Verse 13 says, Ye said also, and I'm reading to you from the standard King James Version. It says, Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord. Now, for those that are newly joining this Bible study that I'm teaching, let me frame up what's still going on from the beginning of this chapter up until now. And as I have stated here earlier, this is really a judgment or a correction that is being given to the priest. What judgment and correction that's being identified is the giving unto the Lord that has been accepted. As I've articulated in the first three parts of this chapter, we touched the fact of the altar, the place where sacrifices are being brought to the Lord. Now, I want everybody to understand, uh, I, I'm speaking for what's literally being said, but it also has a metaphorical or spiritual meaning for us. Because in that, just as the priest would bring sacrifices to be placed on the altar to be changed or to be transformed. And I like how that term altar, uh, uh, the term altar, as we understand from the Bible, means the place where they would bring uh, uh, sacrifices to be burnt unto the Lord. All right. In the same turn, we will understand that according to Leviticus chapter 22, the Lord calls the altar the Lord's table. That's his place for receiving what has been given or what has been sacrificed unto him. But something else I bring out to you, just like as we say altar in our Western world culture, altar uh, is also a shortened term for all uh, uh, to uh, if I may say to uh, change or to transform, to alter or meaning to adjust, to be uh, uh, realigned or to be uh, changed from one state to another. Now, something I brought out in the previous teaching about the altar also is the fact that the altar is a place where anything that's being changed does not have the opportunity for reversal. Meaning, think about this, anything that you bring to the stove that you're going to cook, you can't reverse it back to its uncooked state once the process has begun. And see, that becomes something that should be a teachable point to us because the Lord says once you've been offered to Kim completely, you become a living sacrifice unto Kim according to the New Testament. The intent is not for you to go in reverse. The intent is for you to advance forward for the process to complete itself and the Lord be able to spiritually consume you within himself because you become uh, uh, something as a 
sweet smelling incense, according to the Bible, something that he loves to smell, something that he loves to partake of as you partake of him. All right. Amen. Doesn't the Bible tell us in the book of Psalms, come everyone taste and see that the Lord is good. So just as much as you are enticed by the goodness of the Lord, the spirituality of who he is and the fragrance of who he is in your life, he becomes enticed by you because you become one who is fashioned after the character of him, even in your transformation process. So with that being said, Here's what's going on. Malachi is still giving a prophetic word against the priest of the house because they have dropped the standard of what is a righteous and acceptable offering unto the Lord. The Lord says, even though anything can can be given based upon what I have said as the standard, but I don't want you to give it to me any old kind of way. I don't want you to drop the way that you do what I have required of you because I have a standard of how I want to receive things. You think about this, even for those that go to a restaurant and you place an order. If there's something uh, that you like to eat, do you not uh, give the waiter or the waitress specifications to the order as to way that you want to receive it or consume it? So if that be the case, why can't we understand it's the same thing? You can't make the Lord take what you have to give if it's not to the minimum standard of his expectation. Just like you don't want to accept anything any old kind of way regarding your standard of how you would say you would receive it or accept it. Amen. So in that, keeping that in your understanding, now let us begin to dive and look at what Malachi is saying here in verse 13. He says, you said also, all right. Now, what is really being implied here is in their saying, the emphasis is on the fact that it's really a complaint. He's really saying you have complained. You, the priest have complained to the Lord and see in today's terminology, you would say you, the preachers, you, the leadership, have been complaining to the Lord because of, watch this, becoming comfortable with going through the motion, becoming comfortable with doing the same thing over and over again, becoming comfortable with uh, having to comply with a standard that has been set as the minimum requirement. Listen to what the Bible says here. It says, you said also behold or discern. I want you to see this with spiritual uh, uh, eyesight. I want you to have a spiritual way of understanding what you are now seeing. It says, what a weariness is it. Now, listen to this. Not only is there a complaint, the, the priest as to what the prophet is acknowledging have complained that this has become tedious to them. It's become work to them and based on it becoming work to them, it has become considered to be a hardship, something that is requiring more of them than they want more. Uh, it's, it's going beyond the standard of what they consider being willing to do for the sake of doing their function as leadership in the house of the Lord. 
So in this, they say it has become a hardship. The, the Hebrew word is metaleia. Metaleia, meaning hardship, or it has become a work unto them. And, and in this, watch this, it says, and ye have snuffed at it due to the fact that you consider uh, bringing sacrifices unto the Lord on a daily basis or in a consistency within your function as being leadership in the house of the Lord. You not only complain about it, but you have the audacity to show attitude against it that you're not pleased with doing it. That's what the Bible means when it says you snuffed at it. The Hebrew word is nafah, which means to blow out emotionally or snarl. That means uh, 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 your emotions are getting involved in something that you're supposed to be doing spiritually. It's not about how you feel about it in your emotions. It's a fact that you're supposed to stay in a place of spiritual excellence when it comes to doing a function unto the Lord. How is it not only being articulated here, but we find this even today when it comes to people giving service unto the house of the Lord. How many times have you seen people that say, I'm tired of ushering? How many times have you seen people say, I'm tired of leading people to their seat in, in the church or in ministries and so forth? And so in this, the Bible is implying that the prophet is pointing out some things that we take for granted that we do as a service of the Lord, but let our emotions get in the way. It's being seen. It's being tracked. It's being identified. And the spirit of the Lord begins to prophesy against that or acknowledge that it's something that the Lord God is not pleased with. So in this, the Bible says, saith the Lord of hosts, and ye brought that which was torn. Now, in that, we're back on what the Lord God is identifying through the prophet Malachi as to what they have accepted. Notice that I said here earlier at the beginning of this teaching how one of the real issues that's being brought out is the fact that the standard of what is brought unto the Lord had been dropped by the priests. The priests began to allow uh, 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 a lower standard or uh, things that, that the Lord God had not considered to be acceptable unto him to be placed on the altar, they began to kind of say, uh, I, I, I'll accept something else, or I'll begin to uh, preach and teach to you to bring this versus that. So be it that they changed the standard. He said, you have brought torn stuff. Now, Here's something deep about this, because as I was meditating on this thing about what's torn, the word torn in Hebrew is gazal, which means to be seized or to be plundered, i.e. basically what it's implying here is stuff that's been stolen or hasn't been righteously acquired or stuff that has not been righteously earned. I'm giving what somebody else has earned and has the right to give, but I'm giving it in, in, in their place as if I'm the one who has done the labor of giving what I'm giving unto the Lord. See, the, 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 there's something that goes along with 
with what you bring to the Lord as a gift uh, uh, that still should have your name on it, if I can put it in that frame of, of thinking. There should be something tied to it because, see, even in the previous teaching, I had acknowledged anything that we give, we should actually put a command on that seed as it is being sold unto the Lord because we have got some connection with that gift. We have done something of a labor that has produced that gift in order for that gift to be given versus somebody to take what we've got and then perpetrate a front that they're the ones that have earned that righteously in order to sow it into the Lord. I don't know if I'm helping somebody, but this is what is really being conveyed here by the text. He says that uh, uh, ye brought that which was torn, that which was plundered, meaning that which was taken, uh, 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 not what was earned, but what was taken and the lame, meaning you have brought what has been afflicted. You brought what has been disabled. You brought stuff unto me on my altar as a sacrifice, uh, that has not gotten to a state of being without blemish without flaws without defects amen so 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 now in that there's a thing of being in right standing as to what's being brought unto the lord versus bringing him any old thing amen uh this this is this is what's being conveyed then he says and the sick meaning th those things that were weak or diseased now keep this in mind According to the Bible, according to the text that we're referring to, back in the time of when this was being written, actual animals or things were being brought to be burnt on the altar. Amen. Uh, uh, things that once had life, but life has been sacrificed in order to be given unto the Lord as an offering to represent the life of those individuals who deserve being placed on the altar themselves. But these uh, 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 animals, etc., were the, uh, uh, should I say, acceptable replacement for the individual. Just like what we give now when people bring a seed unto the Lord, it is supposed to represent you or represent someone that uh, should be the seed that is being given literally. But we have an acceptance by saying this is going to be in place of because of X, Y or Z. Amen. So, so here's what, 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 what's being said. He says, you brought everything except what should represent you in right standing. And you got to think about this. If these things are supposed to represent you, my God, are you saying that anything and everything represents you, whether good, bad, ugly, or indifferent? That's something that we have to take into account. Everything that we bring as a seed is supposed to be a representation of you. So if you're considering yourself to be giving yourself in excellence unto the Lord, then it would require excellence to what you are bringing for it to be offered unto the Lord to reflect what you want to be reflected of yourself unto him. Hope I'm making sense here. So then it says, thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand? Should I accept the Lord is all almost like, like he's, uh, um, saying 
you have the audacity that you want me to accept what you're giving and secondary versus it not being your best. You want me to accept what's of and, and there's something deep here as well. It says uh, this is of your hand. Now, remember the word hand that's that's used here in scripture uh, in the literal sense. We're, we're talking about, you know, what's on the end of your arms, your fingers, etc., your palm. That's your hand. But metaphorically or spiritually, hand means your direction, uh, your sense of direction or your spiritual guidance, your uh, your way of travel spiritually. So in that. The verse really says, do you want me to accept what you have brought that has been a result of based of you leading your own self? That this is not by the hand of the Lord, but it's by your hand, meaning your mindset has set the standard to cause the journey or the course that you've been on in order to present the gift that you presented unto me. This is what's really being conveyed here, saith the Lord. This is what he's saying. Now, in that, I want to give you two scriptures that correlate with this particular verse. Because just as as I've said a few things here a few moments ago, there's some things, as I always say, I want to bag up what I am saying. Now, one thing I want to bring to your attention to to bring some weight to is just as I said here a few moments ago about the weariness uh, uh, of the hardship that goes along with individuals when it came to the priest doing the function of receiving the sacrifices and presenting them unto the Lord on the altar uh, that they now began to complain about. Here's something that I want to put in your hearing. When you turn to the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter number 43, Isaiah 43, 22. This is what the Bible says. In Isaiah 43, 22, and I'm reading from the King James Version, the Bible says this, but thou hast not called upon me. O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Now listen, he says, thou, meaning you, have not invited me, O Jacob. Now notice that in this verse, he says that Jacob hadn't invited him and you've become weary as Israel. Now, as we understand from the Old Testament, this is one and the same person. Jacob is uh, uh, the first name Israel is the renaming of the individual. Amen. All right. Jacob means surplanter. Israel means who the Lord has prevailed with. All right. So, so in that, let, let, let me, let me teach you a little bit here. It says thou hast not called or thou has not invited me. Thou has not made me uh, 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 welcome in an invitation in your life. Thou has not uh, summoned me to access you, especially as a Jacob in your old self. And in that, but thou has been weary, you become weary 
you become overwhelmed, you become worked or become exhausted as an Israel, one who the Lord has prevailed with. Now, the Bible says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Listen, that, that's a command. Do not grow weary in well-doing. All right. But then you began to wonder if one is complaining in weariness, maybe they're not well-doing. Maybe they're not doing what they're doing according to a righteous standard because now they've grown weary or they've become exhausted in what they're doing because what they're doing is not fully well. I'm just saying, I'm just giving you another way of looking at this. But this becomes something that uh, 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 is, I believe, being emphasized here in the weariness that the prophet Malachi acknowledges when it comes to the work or the labor that we see the priests doing in their complaint. They're complaining uh, in what they're doing because no longer are they doing this according to the will of the Lord. They're doing it according to the will of the flesh. And now it has become become something uh, uh, that has overtaken them because of the unrighteous standard of how they're doing things. Are you with me? In the same turn, as I mentioned here earlier, uh, and I stated even in the book of Leviticus when it comes to what's being given, because that's something else that was being emphasized here in verse 13, uh, uh, the standard of the gift that is being brought unto the Lord as a sacrifice was below the standard. Uh, let, let me once again bag up why I say that, because some may not have been with me when I taught this before, uh, but I'll bring you once again to Leviticus chapter 22. And in Leviticus chapter 22, amen. Let me read in your hearing Verses 19 and 20. In verse 19 and 20, it says, You shall offer at your own will a male without blemish, meaning without any defects, excuse me, without any flaws. Uh, something that is whole or complete or is healthy, something in its entirety, not partial. Amen. And it says of the beeves of the sheep and of the goats, but whatsoever hath a blemish, whatever is flawed, whatever is defective, that shall you not offer for it shall not be acceptable for you. It will not be good. It will not be pleasing. It will not be favored by the Lord on your behalf because it is a representation of you. You are showing a mirror image of yourself based on the gift that you're giving. This is what is being uh, conveyed here by the text in this time frame as to what the prophet is bringing to their attention. Amen. Ah, praise the Lord. So now let's look at verse 14. Let's, let's see what else that the Lord has to say uh, to 
and the people through the prophet. In verse 14, the text reads, But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Now, now listen to this. The Bible says, Cursed is the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrifices unto the Lord. Now, 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 now listen to this. Individuals bring offering unto the priest, but the priests are the ones that are making the sacrifice. So technically, once again, as I stated before, this is more directed toward the priest of the house of the leadership of the Lord, of them giving a false uh, a gift unto the Lord on behalf of people because they have not made sure that the standard of excellence is being met, not only by what is being given to them by the people, but them also being in right standing as they represent the people with the gift that is being presented unto the Lord on the altar. So what we find is the curse is not, as people just would say, upon the people on their giving, the curse also falls or may directly fall upon the priest upon the leadership L listen it says but curse be the deceiver meaning the one who is operating in treachery one of the things that was going on in this period of time as to why we believe that the prophet malachi is prophesying on behalf of the lord is because the priests were operating in treachery as to how they were dealing with people and getting giftings or offerings that were being brought unto the lord so the bible says they are cursed now, let me let me begin to look a little bit at this, because as we talk about them being cursed, amen, the Hebrew word for curse is arar. All right. And uh, um, we can basically say they become recipients of bitterness of sorrow, of the lack of being blessed, the lack of being beneficial. They become the recipient of all the negative things that uh, uh, are associated with not being under the influence of the Lord God to receive the blessings of him. The Bible says, but curse be the deceiver, the Nacal, the crafty one, the treacherous one, which hath in his flock a male and voweth, uh, meaning to make a promise. The priests are the ones that were making the promise with the gifts that were being given unto the Lord. They were the ones who are the mouthpiece. They're making promises and sacrifices unto the Lord. But yet what they sacrifice is a corrupt thing. They're sacrificing a decayed 
thing, uh, 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 something that's already dead that does not have liveliness unto it. Notice that I mentioned here earlier, even when we transform this and look at it from the spiritual context, uh, uh, being living sacrifices, the, the, the thing that the Lord wants is for us to give ourselves to him in our living state so that we can be transformed in this state to be eternal uh, living individuals for him. Uh, it's not in, in the state that we have become deceased and now we're being sacrificed unto him. It's while breath is flowing in our body that we are to give ourselves unto him for the greatest service, meaning that we can die to our flesh in our living state. Uh, but in this, he says, we sacrifice unto him corrupt things. We sacrifice unto him dead things. Uh, uh, that's, that's, that's just like this. I, I had mentioned this, I believe, in the previous teaching. Just like if you found a dead animal on the side of the road or in the woods, you cannot turn around and cook that animal and uh, 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 consume it because based upon its decay, based upon uh, it's, it's dead state, depending on how long it's been dead, there's bacteria that has set up in it and it becomes toxic or poisonous unto you. So the Lord says, basically you're offering things, not only that are defiled or have been altered or that are impure, they are like bacteria unto me. They are not in a righteous standard that I can receive them because because the Lord wants to receive thing in its greatest state or in its state of excellence, not in its state of being decayed or decomposed or in a state that it's not worth being sacrificed. So he says, you, you, you give to me a corrupt thing. You give to me not only a corrupt thing physically, watch this because I, I, I had touched this recently as well. Uh, a, a, a thing is translated from the Hebrew word, the bar, the bar, uh, means words, but it also means things. And what I'm bringing to your attention is the fact that words become things because what you speak can manifest into being something in the physical. What I speak produces a physical manifestation in most instances. Amen. If I say I want to eat, I've said words regarding a command that even though it's verbal, I can turn around and go get food and manifest what, what I have just spoken and began to eat. Amen. Uh, 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 so due to understanding that, all right. The, the words that I speak produce a manifestation. And so in that the Lord speaks through the prophet that there are some who have spoken false words. You speak things even in a sacrifice unto the Lord, but you don't keep what you speak or you don't bring into manifestation what you have spoken, especially as a sacrifice unto the Lord. I'm sacrificing myself unto the Lord. I'm going to be a servant unto the Lord, but then you don't do it then what happens is you have been speaking corrupt 
things or corrupt words into the atmosphere because those things have not come into fruition because your heart was far from what you are saying or what you are speaking. In that context, you have a corrupt mind because you speak one thing, but you do another. That's what we used to call being two-faced or, you know, you say one thing and you do another. It, this is the same thing about what some people continue to offer. We will we will prophesy, we will pray, we will do everything else that we, we declare that we're giving the word of the Lord and, and we're living a lifestyle of the Lord, but yet we do not carry out those things as a gift unto the Lord to give him the glory. The Lord God reminds us through the prophet's mouth. He says, I am a great king. I am is the king. Uh, and I emphasize that because some people probably look right over that. If you remember when Moses had the encounter with the Lord at the burning bush, he says, I am that I am. Uh, so I am is an identification of the Lord saying, I can be whatever I want to be. I, I can identify myself with whatever manifestation that I want to identify myself. I am a living word, but yet as a living word, I can produce myself to be manifested in any form, any shape, or any way that I wish to be. So in this, he says, for I am, is a great king, is a important king is an important authority is an important spirituality or divineness this is what saith the lord of hosts the lord of armies the lord of the spiritual realm the lord of all elohim and then he says and my name my name my name what is the Hebrew word for name? Shem, which means reputation. I take that a little bit deeper, though I like how uh, in the Greek it is anoma, which means more than just reputation. It, it implies character. He says, my name or my reputation or my character is dreadful among heathen. My character is is dreadful to mean from the Hebrew yare, which is to imply feared. It is reverenced. It is respected among the heathen or among those who have no relationship with the Lord. When we talk about the word heathen out of the Hebrew, it is the word goy, uh, which one means those who are not Hebrews, those who are not Hiberu, those who are not wanderers on behalf of the Lord, not only being sent in places for the Lord, but to find the Lord, to come into relationship with the Lord. Uh, uh, it, it means those who are foreign to the worship of the living God. Those who uh, uh, have no relationship or covenant with the living God in order to keep that relationship with him for the sustainment of their life or their livelihood or how they are living their life in this lifetime in order 
to be in pursuit of the relationship of being eternally with the one true living God. So he says, he says, my character, my character is feared. My character, the characteristics of the Lord God, much of what we understand is the character of the Lord God. If I can give you insight, if you looked at uh, uh, Galatians uh Chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's really talking about the character of the Spirit, the characteristics of the Spirit. Uh, the characteristics of godliness become something to respect by those who are outside of that character because that character proves itself over and over again. That character proves the manifestation of the Lord God in those that bear that characteristic or live according to that lifestyle. So this is what brings fear because what happens is those who live according to the character of the flesh, according to the character of the world, it continues to be Pandora's box for their life. It continues to open up all kinds of things that have no consistency. See, the character of the Lord God is something that is consistent from beginning to end, and it is something that brings forth the manifestation of him within each and every one of us. So this is what the prophet uh, 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 is referring to when he says that the character of the Lord God or the name of the Lord God becomes dreadful unto the heathen for those that are foreign to a relationship with the Lord God. Now, I won't say that everybody is foreign uh, or should I say uh, the Lord God doesn't know everybody. It's the fact that everybody doesn't know the Lord God. Everybody doesn't have a relationship with him, which puts them in a foreign uh, category when it comes to how he sees them. Uh, because uh, they have not brought themselves to the altar. They have not sacrificed on his behalf. Amen. So in saying that, I, I, I want to bring something else to your attention before I bring this to a close. And, and in that, you know, as each and every verse that the Lord has had me to dissect, there's always other verses that I believe complement those, those verses. Because just like as I read in your hearing here a few moments ago out of Leviticus chapter 22 about what is the true sacrifice that is unto the Lord, what is the standard that the Lord God receives, it kind of echoes once again. In this particular verse as well but then there's also something in Psalms 47 verse 2 that I want to bring to your attention um, in Psalms 47 2 it says for the Lord most high is terrible and it's still the same Hebrew word Yare which means is feared or reverence not that he's a bad God, but he is a respected or feared or reverenced God. The Bible says he is great or a great king over all the earth. He is a great or important authority. I.e. the word king is the Hebrew word melech, uh, where we get the term king or royalty. Uh, it speaks to divine authority. So this correlates with what the Bible is saying here 
at the end of verse 14 when he says, I am a great king. It's not only spoken once out of the mouth of the prophet Malachi, it's spoken also in the record of the book of Psalms. So that means apparently that it is consistent across the course of time that we know that he is the one and same supreme Lord God who is respected or reverenced in all the earth, even by those who yet rebel against serving him, but find that they will eventually have to submit to the fact that not only is he a great God, but his character continues to manifest in every aspect of everything around them to show this to be so. So, so in that, uh, I'm going to conclude right here. I pray that these last two verses in the book of Malachi have been very profound in Malachi chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 as we conclude this chapter I pray that they've been very profound and informative to each and every one under the sound of my voice that it brings revelation to you some things to really consider not just the fact of as an individual in what you're giving and what you're not giving unto the Lord but how impactful this is even in the life of, of those of us who may be operating as leadership in the house of the Lord or in ministry and how significant it is for us to stay in right standing and not become clouded in our judgment, not to become skewed in our judgment or not to make money become our God, not to make things become our God, not to make assets become our God and cause us to change the standard because once again, what the Lord has declared as a gift unto him, he wants us to also maintain the fact of uh, giving and, and presenting unto him everything in excellence. Not only what we're giving, but as a representation of ourselves when we give. Amen. So with that being said, blessings to each and every one. May this continue to inspire you to continue in the greater things of the Lord God. And we pray that each and every one uh, uh, will come back as we continue to do this journey in the word of the Lord. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.